Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 18 of Revelation chapter 13, and we're continuing to look at verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we've been spending some time looking at the last statement, the last phrase. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we've seen that this statement regarding the patience and faith of the saints, God's people, is found in the midst of chapters dealing with the Great Tribulation, as Revelation 13 is, and in the midst of a chapter dealing with Judgment Day, Revelation chapter 14. And in thinking about this reference to the the patience and faith of the saints, we were led to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, where the Lord Jesus does something um, mysterious in cursing a fig tree, and then he says something perhaps even more mysterious. In Matthew 21, verse 18, Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered, And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith, And doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And we were discussing in our last study how the Lord Jesus pronounced an eternal curse against the fig tree, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And that was a picture of God cursing national Israel where they would no longer be the people of God. And and that would be finalized at the cross when the veil of the temple was rent in twain. And never again would God save individuals through the synagogues or through the worship system of Israel. He was done with them. They no longer were his representatives. His spirit departed from them, and therefore they had no salvation. And that's why in all the centuries of the church age, people did not go to synagogue to become saved. They went to the church, the church where the word of God was, And the church where God's spirit was, there, potentially, 
they could find the blessing of God and salvation. But that was not the case with the synagogues, even though they still had the Old Testament, which was the word of God, and and they could have taught some faithful things regarding the Old Testament, and, and therefore could have been a faithful message someone could hear to some degree. Of course, they did not have uh, much truth because they rejected the Messiah, they rejected Christ, but what's to say um, that someone couldn't have been saved within a synagogue listening to the book of Isaiah as the teacher would teach something faithful about the God of the Old Testament? That's the word of God, and isn't it possible? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For God to save anyone from any scripture, even the Old Testament in a religious system like the Jews had, in the centuries after Christ had gone to the cross. and No, it's not possible because Jesus cursed the fig tree and let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever was the pronouncement, the decree of God. It, it was an eternal curse. And as a result, no one would ever again become saved. Now, Jesus, speaking to the disciples who who are typifying the body of believers, Jesus says in Matthew 21, 21, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. And we discussed that last time. We saw that Jesus is saying, You will do what I have done. You will not only do that. And then he says something in addition, which we'll look at in a little bit. But uh, first, we're reviewing what we discussed last time. You will not only do that, and, and therefore he's saying that the people of God will curse the fig tree as, as Jesus cursed it. And that came to pass um, recently, at the time of the end, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, when God opened up the Scriptures to reveal to His people that, yes, indeed, the New Testament churches and congregations were now under the wrath of God, and that is the curse of God. And then God's people shared that information and believed that information by faith, by trusting the Word of God, by trusting the things that the Bible says about the end of the church age concerning the uh, coming out of the midst of the Holy Spirit, concerning Satan entering in and taking his seat as the man of sin. These are all matters of faith. Everything that that we have understood uh, regarding the judgment on the churches and finally departing out of the congregations and and fleeing to the Bible itself are all matters of faith because we we cannot see any of it. We cannot see that the Holy Spirit is not in the church. We we didn't see him leave with our physical eyes. And we cannot see that Satan had entered in and that he's the man of sin that was seated there 
and we can't see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place with our physical eyes, although here's what God says in Matthew 24 in verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Well, when God says, when you see the abomination, he doesn't mean with your eyes, like uh, you you see the clouds in the sky, or like you see uh, the color of cars. God doesn't mean that. He means when you see with eyes of faith, when you understand through um, spiritual things, through the word of God, the Bible, as God opens up our understanding and we begin to comprehend what he has done through the word of God. And that's why the reference is there to he who readeth, let him understand. The one reading the Bible will see through spiritual sight that the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, the church. And we have seen this. And and again, not with our physical eyes. We can't see Satan if we look in the Presbyterian or the Lutheran or whatever church, even churches that are um, obviously other Gospels like Pentecostal churches that have added to the Word of God through thinking that God is still bringing divine revelation. You could open up the door of the church and look in. You're not going to see physically Satan. But we see in the Presbyterian, in the Lutheran, in the Episcopalian, in the Pentecostal, in the Catholic, in every church, Satan through the eyes of the Word of God. We we see Satan being loosed. We see him entering into the congregations for the duration of the Great Tribulation. And we also see the time after that in these days after the Tribulation, Judgment Day. We see these things through faith. And it would probably be good for us to remind ourselves what God says about faith in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. When we're um, discussing these things with others, and they say, you have no proof. Where is your proof? that the church age is over. Where is your proof that it's Judgment Day? And so we refer them to Bible verses. We say, well, here, take a look at this verse in Isaiah 24, or in Revelation 9, or in Revelation 14, or in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened, and so forth. And we're we're telling them, here's where we see it, because we read it here and here, and here, here a little, there a little. And through that process, the Holy Ghost teaches when we're comparing Scripture with Scripture, spiritual with spiritual, and doctrine comes forth, teaching comes forth, and we're showing them 
were telling them, this is how we see. But they don't see it. That's no proof. That's no evidence. Because these things are discerned by faith. That's why the wise will understand. The wise are those made wise through salvation, through the grace of God, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us eyes to see. And and to understand is what to see means in the Bible. And, and so we see, we begin seeing the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We, we see, um, through faith and, and we have great evidence of these things having taken place. And yet it's, uh, by faith that the church, the fig tree is cursed and it's by faith. That's the point Jesus is making in Matthew 21 that you will say, uh, uh to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea. Let's read that part of Matthew 21, verse 21. Uh, but also, if he shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Now, what mountain is in view? What mountain is Christ referring to that we can say unto if if we have faith and it'll be cast into the sea well um first of all the cursing of the fig tree yes jesus cursed uh an actual fig tree but he did so in order to teach the spiritual meaning of that as that fig tree represented national israel when he cursed it and then when he said that we would do the same, that fig tree took on the meaning of the New Testament church and, and churches and congregations of the world. And uh, likewise, when he's referring to the mountain, he doesn't mean uh, that we're going to speak to um, some literal mountain. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we have the Poconos, and there's no one who, by faith, can go and say unto a literal mountain, Be thou removed into the sea. That's never happened. And, and, and that's not what God means when, when He says, If you have faith, you will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Well, uh, someone can believe all they want, and, and they can say, I believe, I believe, and, and go up to, Mount Everest, and be thou cast into the sea, and then open their eyes, and it will still be there, because that's uh, taking the Bible literally, and we always get into trouble if we take the Bible literally. We have to look for the figurative meaning, the typology. What is God referring to by mountain? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, we're helped a little bit um, at the time when Satan was permitted to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in Matthew 4, in verse 8, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him 
all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here, Satan takes the Lord up into a high mountain, and an exceeding high mountain, and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, why did he take him up to into an exceeding high mountain? Well, perhaps for the vantage point. Well, I don't care how high the mountain was, that wouldn't help to see all the kingdoms of the world. You would still have limited sight. No, there's a, a very particular reason, because mountains in the Bible represent kingdoms. And when Satan deceived Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden, he won by right of conquest the victory over mankind and all that man was given rule over, which was dominion over this earth. Satan won that dominion and he became uh, the ruler of the unsaved men who ruled over the earth. And and so all the kingdoms of the world came under his rule and uh, in a, a legal way. So he is saying to Christ, I'll give you all these kingdoms if only you bow down to me. What, what arrogance. And uh, the Lord Jesus rebuked him. But the point of taking him up to an exceeding high mountain is to show him the glory of his kingdoms and the exceeding high mountain, the position identifies with the kingdoms that Christ was shown. Remember, we looked a while back in Revelation chapter 17 and it, it says, beginning in verse 9, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And the seven heads um, is describing the beast. Satan, also called the dragon, is pictured to have seven heads and ten horns. And God here is defining the heads. And he says the seven heads, which are all part of Satan, or they all represent Satan, are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come, and when he cometh he must continue a short space. The seven kingdoms, or seven periods of rule of Satan throughout the history of the world, from his conquest in the Garden of Eden until the very time of the end, the last head, the last period of Satan's rule was when the Lord Jesus loosed him out of the bottomless pit and he rose up, as we read in Revelation 13, out of the depths of the sea. He, he came out of that condition of being bound in the bottomless pit to accept a period of rule during the Great Tribulation that would be greater than all of his previous periods of rule. This would be his final kingdom, and he would sit as king over that kingdom for the 
the duration of the Great Tribulation period, which turned out to be an exact 23 years. And and so by that time, by the time Satan is loosed in 1988, May 21, 1988, that's when the church age ended, that's the point when the sixth kingdom, the sixth head, ended his period of rule in the seventh kingdom, the last kingdom of Satan began. And and so uh, when God finally brings judgment on Satan and his kingdom of this world, all the nations of the world, on Judgment Day, May 21, 2011, that's the conclusion of the Great Tribulation, it's the beginning of the judgment of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth and of Satan, then it is a judgment on the seventh kingdom, the last kingdom of Satan. And 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 so if, if God were to speak of it as a type and a figure, that would be a mountain. That, that would be the mountain that represented the kingdom of Satan. Uh, we read, for instance, in Jeremiah 51... And Jeremiah 51 is a chapter, along with Jeremiah 50, where God is uh, going into detail, uh, describing the judgment on Babylon and the king of Babylon at the end of the 70-year period that they were given to overcome Judah. And that 70-year period typified the period of the Great Tribulation, which uh, in actuality was the 23 years. And, it, and therefore, at the end of the 70-year historical period, when Babylon fell and the Medes and the Persians under King Cyrus conquered Babylon, that is typifying Judgment Day. And Revelation, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah 50 and 51 are, in verse after verse, describing Judgment Day as the judgment on Babylon. And we read in Jeremiah 51... It says in verse 24, And I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion. In your sight, saith Jehovah, behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain. Now that's a reference to Babylon. God is calling Babylon a destroying mountain. O destroying mountain, saith Jehovah, which destroyest all the earth, and I will stretch out mine hand upon thee, and roll thee down from the rocks, and will make thee a burnt mountain. It is God's plan to take the destroying mountain, as Satan and his kingdom were extremely destructive during the Great Tribulation against the people of God against the corporate church and and extremely destructive in the world well god would take that mountain and and bring his wrath upon it and make them a burnt mountain it would be a burnt mountain because the fire of god's wrath is upon babylon god is uh, currently presently judging the unsafe people of the world, and a fire has been kindled in his anger. It's a spiritual fire, 
Uh, we we shouldn't expect to see any real flames or uh, physical flames or literal flames, but spiritually, it's language indicating God's anger is burning against Babylon, against the unsaved people of the world that are within the kingdom of Satan because they've never become saved and therefore they're in the darkness of this world. And it is that mountain that Christ is speaking of in Matthew 21 when uh, he, he says to his people, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. It is language indicating a two-part judgment program of God at the end of the world. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.